This is the Embrace Your Faith podcast. What's going on? This is J. Mike, and this is episode number three of Embrace Your Faith podcast. Uh, my guest today is Marcus Alexander Velasquez. Marcus, thank you for being here. It's a blessing, man. Of course. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. And and I just want to go over a little bit. I'm going to I'm going to kind of touch on your uh your background and and we're going to we're going to dive into it. So, first of all, and you know when I asked you for your bio, the first thing you put which I love is that you're a husband to a beautiful wife, Holly, and and praise God cuz right below our, you know, our relationship with the Father there there's that you know relationship with our bride so praise god right. so first first ministry amen first ministry but man you've you've done a lot you you know tedx you and i watched that we're, we're gonna put a link uh so our our you know listeners can 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 watch that your tedx talk on communication you've started you've recently started your own company called um better communications llc and we're just going to read a little blip. It's a it's a company devoted to communication training and coaching to create and develop effective communicators. That's your most recent one. Correct. Correct. Okay. Uh, you're a hip hop artist. You've I am. Got some, you've got some songs out there, man. <laughs> yes, sir. That's uh, they. I was listening to one earlier today. It, I, it's fire, brother. It's fire. <laughs> nice. Thank and, you. And and kind of a big thing that you're doing now is is uh, therapy. Thursdays. And, and that's what we're going to, that's a big chunk of what we're going to talk about today. What, what your purpose is, uh, what you feel called to do and the bridge that, that you're trying to make. And so, um, last but not least, man, is, you know, you can see, I've got my degree, my piece of paper back here, but uh, <laughs> you have a bachelor's degree in biblical studies from the school of urban missions. So yes, sir. welcome. Welcome. Happy to be here. Your plethora of, of knowledge <laughs> and experience, brother. <laughs> You and I met each other three years ago. Sounds about right. Three years ago uh, at a leadership development training called Like It Matters. Yes, sir. So tell tell me a little bit about where you were uh, in your journey, in your faith journey that weekend. So it was really interesting. Um, my pastor actually just preached this past weekend about how um, God will use storms to put us back on the right path. And um, so up until that point, uh, I was a Christian for 10 years. Um, I was a hip hop artist, I actually started music in, in the church. I met a Christian rapper one day and I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. I was like, that's exactly what I want to do with my life. But I did it for the wrong reasons. I wanted the attention. I wanted to be on stages. I wanted people to know my name and ask for pictures and autographs afterwards. So I was uh, a hip hop artist under the moniker of Jitta, J-I-T-A, which stands for Jesus is the answer. That was my old stage name. Um, and then I went to Bible College in Cali, uh, California, Oakland, California for three years. And um, I ended up so I struggled with a pornography addiction for over 15 years. And as a Christian, I did everything a Christian was supposed to do. I prayed, I fasted. I literally one time did a 19 day water fast, um, begging and pleading the Lord to help me. I sought out every single Christian leader in my life, pastors, uh, Christian counselors, uh, the, my Bible college at the time, I talked to some of the professors and the leaders in the Bible college. I got the same answer every time, pray and fast, pray and fast. My guys, I'm doing this. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not seeing any results. So um, unfortunately, my uh, pornography addiction was the uh, the reason my first marriage failed. Um, so when my ex-wife asked me to leave the house, I was like, crap, this is really an issue. I'm about to lose my wife. So I really wanted to take it seriously. So at that point, I signed up for um, formal therapy, but I signed up with a completely secular, non-religious therapist. And within two sessions, I started seeing changes. And I'm like, hold on. And I'm a very logical person. Like, I just look at facts. I love logic. I love reasoning. So I was like, I spent 10 years serving God. I moved across the country from Chicago to Oakland, California to go to school because I knew that's what he called me to do. Rapping, preaching, all these things. And I was begging God to heal me of this thing. For 10 years, I didn't see any change. Two sessions which equates to two hours. And in a secular, non-Christian, non-godly environment, I started seeing change. So on the surface at the time, I made this uh, this conclusion and I said, okay, well, 
Christianity didn't work. This new therapy way is working. So path A must be false and path B must be true. It wasn't a fair conclusion at the time, but that's how I felt at the time. So it's not like I stopped believing overnight, but it was the decline of my faith. I started praying less, reading my Bible less, going to church less and less. And eventually I claimed the title of atheist for three years. Um, so that was right before I ended up at Like It Matters. So what was really cool, though, about that time, and this is when I experienced the overwhelming benefits of therapy during my atheist years. And I have a friend in California. His name is Javier. And he told me um, when God got a hold of me again, uh, he told me he was crying on the phone, mind you, when I told him I came back to Jesus. Um, oh, I didn't come back to Jesus. He got my attention again. But um, he, he told me that he, he was praying one time and he said, God told him, he said, what if everything Marcus learned in the world, he was able to bring back to the church? And that is exactly why God allowed me to go through what I went through. So now I, you know, I value my perspectives that I've been through in life. Now I have the perspective of somebody who is extremely faithful and walked away and came back. That's a, that's a very rare perspective. And I'm appreciative for that because that's now an additional audience that I can talk to and minister to uh, who have gone through that experience. Um, but yeah, so I was really big into therapy um, so much was happening in my life around that time. Like I, God literally like cleared everything off. Like I remember the job I was working at the time, I got a call from my boss Monday morning and he was like, Hey dude, I don't know how to tell you this, but I can't pay you this week. Uh, excuse me. <laughs> so I don't know what happened with the money. It ran out, whatever. And he, um, so I literally went to $0 quickly depleted my savings, had to start selling stuff out of my apartment just to make rent. And um, what happened is I was working on a song and I had an idea because it was very like a motivational song. It's called One Step at a Time. So I reached out to my father and I was like, I think it'd be really cool if I got like a motivational speaker to do like a, you know, an intro to this song. And he was like, well, I know somebody. He was like, his name is Mr. Black. And um, he told me about how I was like, hey, can you connect me with him? And um, and yeah, so I connected with him. And um, that's when he told me, you know, I have this class. It's like it matters. It's leadership training. And if you want to come, I'd like to bless you with a free spot. And my genuine answer, and this is not a lie, I literally said, I have nothing else to do. So God literally just <laughs> cleared my schedule and life of yeah. any possible excuses I could have to get me to that point. And then that's when we met. And at that point, God God really rocked my world. Um, at first, I I just loved the content of the class from a therapeutic sense. Like there's a lot of, you know, we dig deep in that class. There is a lot of therapy topics talked about in there. Um, but of course, you know, Mr. Black brought up um, Jesus a lot. So at the time, I wasn't a Jesus fan. So I was like, all right, well, if you're familiar with this phrase, I'm going to eat the meat and spit out the bones. So basically, mm -hmm. I'll take the good stuff and just ignore the Jesus stuff. But obviously, it was seeping into my mind throughout that weekend. Um, so the class ends on a Saturday and that Sunday, the next day, I kind of like, I don't know, I felt like in my mind, God showed me like all of these different events in my life, my different talents that he's blessed me with. And I just feel like they were all coming to a point. And I felt like there was someone behind the scenes orchestrating my life and I'd be a fool to deny it. So that Sunday by myself in my room, I prayed for the first time in like three or four years and I gave my life back to Jesus. Hallelujah. Yes, sir. Praise God, man. And I remember, man, sitting with you and talking. You've always been a brother that kind of has been just here it is, right? Like I'm gonna I'm gonna say it how it is. And and I, I remember praying over you and I remember, you know, those those types of interactions, and I truly appreciated how how open you were. I love how our, you know, at the 10,000 foot level, man, our paths are very similar. And, and for me, it's, it's the, the, the best thing I can do is, is the rising of the Phoenix, right? Like from the ashes. And, and I really believe God takes away everything that's preventing someone from really attaining what he has planned for them. And, and, you know, he did it to me as a, as a police officer and, you know, as somebody who was, again, I also believe that my faith had a lot to do with who brought me to it, right. Having a, a, a man who was my best friend at the time, 
that brother figure that I wanted to impress. I wanted to, I've always had um, this desire to gain approval from mm-hmm. men. And, and, it, and it's because of my greatest weakness, my, my greatest woundedness. And my greatest woundedness is um, a, approval and, and wanting to belong and, 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 you know, seeking that approval from man. And so, you know, it's very evident in my life in the past that God removed all that. It was hard mm. and it was a, it was a valley. And I also kind of drifted away from my faith. And, and that was, as we were talking, and it, it wasn't until a couple of months ago where I was finally able to sit up and say that, Hey man, I, I failed in my faith and I failed in business, but that was okay because that didn't matter. That didn't define me. And so praise God, man. I mean, it, it's been awesome to watch you. We, you know, we, we've haven't, stayed in really close contact, but I've been watching, right? And I've, I've seen what you're doing on TEDx. Talk to me a little bit about your TEDx. Um, what, what, what kind of preceded that? How did, how did you get like rolling with that? Yeah. So, um, that's a really interesting story because on paper, as far as my resume, I shouldn't have gotten that TED talk. Like I did not qualify for it, at least in my, in my opinion. Um, however, um, you know, I feel qualified based on life experience. Absolutely. But like on paper. Um, so the title of my TED talk was the art of effective communication. I don't have a degree in communication. I don't have certificates or I studied under the a communication expert, uh, but I am extremely analytical and I pay attention to things, whether I want to or not. And throughout the years, um, you know, as a Christian, um, I've shared my faith publicly all throughout Christianity. So I was raised in um not only i was around a church but also the bible college i went to was very heavy on street ministry so we are constantly street evangelizing we would set up speakers on street corners and street preach um for the school two out of three years of the schooling we actually flew down to new orleans during the mardi gras festival and we street preached on mardi gras um, at Mardi Gras. So like that was, I was used to that. So literally from that, I've had thousands upon thousands of conversations with thousands of different people. And I've learned how to navigate communication. Clearly I made tons of mistakes in the process, but I've learned from it. I've learned how to, you know, talk and also listen. I've learned how to, uh, how not to assume things about people because I've made assumptions and have therefore turned people off. And even though I had the gospel and the greatest message a person will ever hear, my demeanor turned people off to hearing that message, which showed me, you know, the importance of character and how you do things, not just what you do. Um, so yeah, so that that qualified me in my mind to give this talk. But how I ended up getting it at the time, I was an assistant for um, a gentleman who owned a restaurant, and it was his TED talk. He was supposed to give it, but um, he ended up, I think, overbooking his schedule, and he wasn't able to do it. So when he notified the guy in charge of the TED talk that he wasn't able to do it, they responded back, "Well, do you have someone that can replace you?" And he asked me if I wanted to do it. So I was like. I'll be right back. And I went into my <laughs> prayer closet and literally within five minutes of praying, I just saw the title pop into my, my, my mind, the art of effective communication. I was like, yes, I'm going to do it. And I already know my title. So literally, dude, I, I go back to that Ted talk, bro. And I'm shocked when I watch it. I'm like, I don't even know how I did that, bro. You watch that video. You were literally seeing the grace of God at work. Normally when it comes to a Ted talk like that, people have months to prepare for their speech. Brother, I was given two weeks. Yeah, but you've been preparing your whole life. I mean, (laughs) that street ministry and- I mean, yeah, but I mean, actually having a formal organized outline and what points and how I'm gonna start and how I'm gonna finish, like making it all pretty within two weeks and then memorizing it and then delivering it. Oh, so like it it was tough. I was a little nervous at the time. I wrote the content fairly quickly, but then memorizing it. And then I remember, um, practicing it in front of my mother um and i kept messing up the order of the points so i had everything memorized but my points were fumbling i was doing like 0.5 and then 0.3 and 6 and i'm like i keep messing these up 
And my beautiful mother, she was like, didn't they mention something about being able to use a screen? And I was like, oh my gosh, yes. So what you don't see on the TED Talk videos behind the audience, there was a massive screen that had my outline on it. Thank and that, yo man, that kept right. me focused. So again, I had all the content, but that outline helped me focus on uh, on how to do it. So I loved it. It was a great time. Um, it was really funny because like I, I threw some humor in there and, you know, I'll do respect, but that audience was a very dry audience. Like I, I was throwing some, <laughs> I was, I was giving some gold and I had just dead silence for some of my stuff. So I was like, it's okay because that audience in itself was fine for the time, but really the main audience was once it's online and then the world gets to watch it. And I've right. been like super humbled by the responses I've gotten from it. So the talk itself uh, is at about 158,000 views right now. Mm. Um, could get a lot more and I'm wait, I can't wait till it gets a lot more, but I'm grateful for what I have so far. What I love is looking at the comments underneath the video and you get to see like, oh my gosh, this helped me so much. Or you were describing everything I do on a daily basis, or this is what my boss said that I do wrong and they reprimanded me. Um, but some of the coolest stuff I found out is that my talk is being shared in universities around the world. And teachers are assigning it to their classes as homework on how to become effective communicators. And I found that out because some of the students have actually emailed me asking me questions about my talk. And the coolest thing I found out so far is there are two, um, two universities in the Philippines that have used my TED Talk. Um, and then I just got an email this week from a, a gentleman in North Africa asking me questions about my TED Talk. So that's the beauty of the Internet. It can get worldwide. Praise God, man. Yeah. It's, it's cool to see what he's doing through you. I mean, in and through you, your story, your experiences. And and that's really, you know, why I asked you to come on. It be, because I want to talk about what you're doing in in this area of, of therapy and Christianity. You know, because, and, and, I, and I hate to use Commonisms, or, or you know, just you know, it's kind of like the "all pray for you," right? Um, that's something I've really tried not to use as far as like I want to just be like, "Well, I'll pray for you right now," right? Like, like right now, yeah. And and so, but it, it's kind of the same thing as as in a general term. And I normally really don't like to talk in generals, but generally, the the Christian stereotype is that just you know Jesus will heal you, and you know, I, I think as, although I believe that to be true, but he uses us, he uses his creation for sure and their gifts and their talents. You know, there's that song that, and I, I forget who it's by, but he talks about, well, all that's wrong in the world. And, and he's crying out to Jesus, like, what are you going to do about this? And Jesus said, I created you. Nice. You know, and, and nice. that, but, and that's the truth. And I think he created us to want to have an intimate relationship with him, but also to want to have that intimate bond and, and that relationship with each other to, I mean, to me, it's, that's why I called salt, right? We are salt and light. We bring out the best in each other when we speak. So, Amen. so talk to me about this bridge, you know, how are you bridging the gap between the, the Christian world and the world of therapy. Yeah, uh, a few things I want to mention um, is, you know, I think uh, one of the biggest issues and probably hindrances to people being open or Christians being open to therapy in particular, in my experience, Christians often forget that we're still human. So somehow we come to the faith and we're like, we're superhuman now. You know, the only superhuman was Jesus. So granted, we have the Holy Spirit in us. We've been renewed, but we're still human. We're still going to suffer. We still have growth opportunities. The Bible talks about daily renewal and daily becoming more like Jesus. Well, if it could be done in a day, it wouldn't be daily. You know, it's like it's a gradual process. We're slowly getting there. And for anyone to, you know, I've heard some people say, oh, well, I don't go to therapy. I go to church. Not the same thing. Um, so like when people say, you know, even the Bible says, I believe in Proverbs, it says, um, you know, there's wisdom in a multitude of counselors. 
a therapist is a mental health counselor. So right. literally by me going to therapy, I'm being biblical. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like we are still human. Our minds need to be renewed. And this is part of that process. So again, going to therapy doesn't make Jesus any less God or any less the Lord of my life. And really, if we want to get granular and compare things, you know, why do you, why do people, why do Christians take Advil when they get a headache? Yeah. Isn't God supposed to heal you? Right. Oh, no, no. Well, that's different. No, it's not. It's the same thing. It's a physical thing from this world that we're using to heal ourselves. There's nothing wrong with that. So, and, and, but that's that, that therein is the problem because those decisions are motivated by fear. Hmm. That's really what it is. It's, it's where we're afraid. Well, we don't want to go here because then what if it pulls us away from God or does this or does that? That's, that's operating in fear. And the Bible is clear. It says to do everything in love. You know, do nothing under compulsion. So like there, if you're being motivated to do something or not do something by fear, then that's the wrong motivator. We're supposed to do things out of love. So um, so not only all that, you know, I can give you scripture to back it up, but then just personal experience, too. I just told you, like, for 10 years, I was serving the Lord and doing everything I thought I was supposed to do. And I didn't get the healing that I wanted until I started seeing a, a secular therapist. So. At the end of the day, man, God is God. He's in charge. We're not. So can he heal someone instantaneously? Absolutely. Can he heal someone over time? Absolutely. And he's God. He's able to do what he wants, when he wants to do it, how he wants to do it. So for us to us to limit God, for us to put God in the box and say, if God doesn't move in this way, according to these ways, then it's not of God. We are limiting God. That's when religion starts to step in and come into the picture. When we put limitations on God, God can do what he wants, whenever he wants, however he wants. And yes, some people have been healed instantaneously and praise God for that. Some people get healed over time. Praise God for that. So we always have to keep ourselves open to new opportunities and new growth. So for me, and honestly, in my experience, I believe therapy has made me a better Christian because therapy has helped me clean up a lot of my old traumas, a lot of the residual effects of my old traumas. And one of the biggest things is therapy has helped to clear my mind. Well, if my mind's more clear, then I can hear from God better. I don't have things holding me back so I can more exponentially fulfill the calling on my life. So to me, that's excellent. That's so for me, the perfect union is Jesus and therapy. Like I'm literally my goal is to start a podcast one day and call it Jesus and therapy, because that to me is the perfect union. Jesus is taking care of of your soul, of our relationships with him, which is number one, which is what we we're created for. And then therapy comes to complement it because I've had um, both individually and to me, they, they work best together because I've been to a Christian counselor before when it was just all Jesus, all praying, all Bible reading. And it, the, 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 what is it? The, um, whatever the results speak for themselves. I got no results. <laughs> so I, right. I'm fine. But now the merging of those two worlds has been phenomenal. And because it's been so phenomenal for me, I want to share that message with as many people as possible. And so, so I, I think that the important for, for me, what I'm hearing and, and what I believe to be true is that that we are a work, right? And and God is at work in us. And for me, so much of the scripture coming to life that is renew your mind, you know, daily means that I not only need to to renew it in Christ, but I need to get the humanness, the the flesh, the sinfulness out. And I have been, my life has been experienced has experienced much of that sinfulness, that flesh, you know, that was not only that I've created, but that was put on me as a kid. And the more that I'm able to excavate that and, and that really, and I think it go, because in a minute, I'm going to ask you what you thought was different, like what happened in those two sessions. But I, I think that in Christianity, a lot of times we don't understand this stuff takes training. People don't know how yep. to unearth, to excavate. You know, it, it says in Psalms, search me, O Lord, right? Search out. Well, again, in, in religion and in our flesh and our sinfulness, we don't know how to do that. 
we don't know how to set the stage for that. And, and I had to learn how to do it. I've talked before about my experience at Marked Men in that weekend. Man, I went to that, you know, talking about, you know, spit the bones out. I went to that weekend knowing exactly what I wasn't going to share. Mm. And, and it was, and it was because I didn't know how, I didn't know how to be in that environment. I didn't know how to really allow God to excavate. Cause look, I think by, by far, and I, I'm pretty sure I'll agree, you will agree with me on this. It is Jesus that transforms us from the inside out. It is Jesus that does the work. Absolutely. But, but God, right. But he leads us in the ability to do that. We have, he does ask us to be co-creators in this. This isn't about salvation. We like, I think yeah, therapy people, is not salvation. <laughs> right. I think some people get stuck and they're like, well, you know, we shouldn't have to do anything for that. This isn't salvation. This has nothing to do with accepting God as our savior and as our Lord freely. I didn't do anything to deserve it. But there's so many times when I'm talking to somebody when I want to say, okay, but let's step beyond that. Let's get to the meat. Let's get to the work. And God has asked, Jesus has asked us to be workers, to be co-creators with that. Absolutely. And to, to dive in and dig out all the stuff. And, and I really don't think he, when a person does that, when one of his children is able to do that, he's just smiling. He's loving and he showed that to you. He poured out that love when you were finally able. So, so what was, what was, what changed? What happened in those two that broke? You know, they talk about the scales falling off, right? Or that what broke? Well, I mean, you already hinted at it that the person I went to was a professional. They've studied human behavior, they've studied the human mind, they've studied um you know traumas and their effects on people they know the mind well so not to say that uh you can't have a christian counselor but like you said when you have uh when you have maybe a pastor who has great intentions but they are not a trained therapist and they're attempting to provide you know therapeutic healing for other people is something that they're not trained in that's not you but that's okay you're a pastor be the best yeah. darn pastor you can be and then for anything else, go to the other professionals. If I want professional advice when it comes to Jesus, I will seek out a pastor. If I want professional advice about the human mind, I'm going to seek out those that have devoted their lives to studying the human mind and behaviors and all these things because they're the ones who know it as well. Now, this is why it's great to have the union of therapy and Jesus because if you're at a therapist's office and they start going off topic or talking about energies or all these other things, well, then, you know, you know, my faith tells me otherwise. I know Jesus is where energy comes from. He is the light that of, of the world, you know, so um, so that's where it's the complement of the two. Um, but yeah, man, it, that's all it was. I just went to a professional, a person who knew what they were talking about. And that's I got the healing because I went to a professional. That's it. It's that simple. Praise God. That's awesome. Yeah. So so how are you? What is your message? How are you bridging this gap? today um you know what are you what are you doing right now to to kind of your calling what what is it uh so it's definitely um there's definitely a lot of steps to it it's not just one thing and i learned that too with god is that you know we can be very short-sighted when god sees the full picture and same way you're if you're building a skyscraper that doesn't happen overnight that requires pre-planning, that requires a lot of people, that requires a lot of time. Um, so God's plans, sometimes it may be, you know, it could be a short-term plan. It's a it's an instant uh, decision that affects one moment. Cool. But there are long-term plans too. And sometimes you have to play the long game, but that's strategy. That's our God, the God of war. You know what I mean? Like war takes strategy. So he knows what he's doing, even if it's, you know, long-term. And that's again, why I want to mention fear because so many people who are, who don't agree with these things or well, you have to do it now, 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 like that's fear. They're afraid of doing the wrong thing. They're afraid of missing out on something. We're not called to live in fear. Amen. Like I, I mean, let me tell you, within the last probably two years, I have experienced more freedom 
in Christ than I ever have before. And freedom is literally freedom. It's free from condemnation, from guilt, from duty, because so much of Christian ministry is seemed as duty and we're soldiers and we're, we're showing up for our orders. And yes, sir, we're going to file these things out. No, we are not. We can be God's soldiers, but that's so far down the line of uh, how we should identify ourselves. First and foremost, we are sons and daughters of God. And you think about it, like literally think in the old days with like a king in a castle, the son and daughter have access to the king in a way a soldier never will. Sonship. Sons and daughters can go behind the scenes and go into the king's quarters. Sons and daughters sit down and have intimate dinners and relationships with the king. Soldiers don't have that. Jesus came to start a family. He did not come to start an army. And that's so necessary. And it, it really, again, because I, I love that therapy has taught me to really dig deep and go down to root issues. And really the root issue of that is control. We want to be able to control what we do. And that's where, like, to be honest, people are afraid of freedom. Like freedom means not having everything, not understanding everything, not knowing every step of the process, every single way, but trusting that God's going to lead you like Man, freedom feels great, man. <laughs> like, but because I was in those stringent environments before, I was. It's like ministry, ministry, ministry. You got to hit the streets, and we got to preach the gospel every single time. You, every time you meet somebody, and whatever, whenever you're talking to someone, find a way to turn the conversation to Jesus. And it's just this forced, uh, mechanical way of living that is just not biblical, and it's not. It's not natural. It's not relational. It's forced. It's factory made. And again, we are not robots. If God wanted people to just say yes, sir, no, sir, or just follow his wills, he would have made us robots. Right. One of the one of the greatest things an old mentor told me, he said, Marcus, it's God's will for you to have a will. Woo! That blew my mind. I was like, man, that's so true. So God loves me enough to let, let me make my own decisions. Now, of course, I love him. I work, like you said, we're co-laborers with Christ. I work in tandem with him, but he mm -hmm. still respects my free will and will let me do what I want to do, even if that would lead me to hell. That's well, he gave true you love. free will. Yeah, that's true I, love. I mean, that's He freedom. loved enough to give Absolutely. you free will. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, so, that, that brings me to one. I just want to just... You just got me thinking because I think patience is something that culturally in the church and outside of the church, you know, Americans and I'll just right. And like I said, I hate doing this, but I'll just, I'll just, you know, lump Americans together. We're not good with patience. Mm. And, you know, like you said, it's, it's, you know, I want it now. I want it now. I want to get this now. And something I've been working on for the last month, has been kind of my mantra of where am I right now? And it's, and it's, I want to be expectant that God will move. I, I want to have that expectancy, but I don't want to be expecting him to do in a certain way. Right. So, so that's, so I want to till that soil. It talks about, you know, even in, you know, Jesus's parables about the soil and, and that seed. And if you notice there was nothing different about any of the things that other than the soil. Yep. I am his soil and what I'm doing is his soil. So sometimes God just calls me to tend to the soil and to make sure that soil, I want to be expectant that there will be a seed. I believe God will plant a seed. He will do something, but I don't want to have expectations of what that seed will grow, right? So that's really, you hit the nail on the head. That's where I've been in the last this last couple of weeks, this journey, especially with this podcast, man, I'm expectant that God's going to show up and he's going to do something. I'm expectant that people are going to hear this podcast and they're going to, they're going, Jesus is going to show up. Absolutely. But, but I don't have any expectations of what that's supposed to look like. For sure. Because and, I did and that in before. That, and, and in I, that and lies freedom. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Because it's, it's, you know, one of my, my mentors once said, look, I'm responsible for the delivery, not the reception. Correct. And so 
Um, yeah. So, so one thing so I want to one thing I want to add to that, and this is literally just this is what's missing. If we could do the whole episode on this, I would be perfectly fine with that. But this is what's missing. We 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 point out all these Bible verses about doing things, the Great Commission. You know what I mean? We we're supposed to preach to the world and make disciples and all these ministries, and let's mimic what the early church did and all this other stuff. All that's true. All that's admirable. But God has a priority list. How do we know that? Because God literally said that there is a greatest commandment. So what does that mean? That means this guy comes before all the others. So there's a priority list in God's mind. And what's the greatest commandment? To love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Now, the second question, which is actually leading into a book that I wrote, just a quick plug. Let's go. <laughs> the, the book is called How to Love God. That's the problem. What we're missing is the practical application. It's easy to say, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. What does that look like in day-to-day -day practical How? sense? How do we and do I, I I haven't gotten a straight answer on that question. I've ne I've never in my how long now? I don't know, but 15 plus years of being in Christendom, I have never heard I maybe have heard one and I didn't even agree with it, but I maybe have heard one sermon preached on the greatest commandment. It's called the greatest commandment. Why don't we have the greatest sermons on the greatest commandment? So at the end of the day, the greatest commandment means you need to focus on this bad boy. Once you get this, everything else falls in line. Jesus literally said the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. The second commandment is like it, to love others as you love yourself. And these two are the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. Meaning that you get these two right, you get everything else right. Amen. So these two are, are necessary to focus on. That means the Great Commission comes after these two. All the ministry comes after these two. So short answer, how to love God. And I again, I have a whole book coming out with, about this. I'll give you tons of scripture. But the actual answer is how do you love God is through prayer. And through prayer, the, my favorite definition of prayer is a conversation with God. And the reason I like that definition is because a conversation takes at least two parties. And when you're having a conversation, one person is speaking and one person is quiet and listening. And so often our, is our, our prayer lives are defined by us talking. God, I need this. God, I need that. These are what's wrong with my life. Please help me. Please do this. Even when we're worshiping, which is admirable, we're still talking. God, you're holy. God, you're amazing. This and that. And then people will say, I never hear from God, but don't bother to listen. There is an overwhelming amount of scripture, especially in the Old Testament, that talks about being silent before God. Literally, like one that pops to mind, I forgot the address, but it talks about being silent or let, let your words be few, you know, because of realizing who you're talking to. The king of kings, the creator, the originator. What do you have to say to him? <laughs> what do we have to say to God, the God who created everything? You know what I mean? Like people, people choose their words wisely when they're speaking to someone like the president. If you were in at the White House, you know, you would be selective with your words. You would be quiet more often than not because you'd be listening to him. You'd give him the due respect with all the power that he has. How about the guy who created that guy with power? You know what I mean? Yeah. Amen. So we 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 say, oh well, God created us for an intimate relationship, or we say Christianity is not a religion; it's a relationship. Let's break down that word. We say relationship, but do we know what we're saying? If we were to treat our wives the same way some people treat Jesus, we wouldn't have marriages. You know what I mean? Some people, right, their quote-unquote right. relationship with Jesus is a one, two-hour Sunday service, and then that's it. Right. That's the whole week. What marriage can survive off of two hours on a Sunday? Not None. mine. Yeah, not mine. But yet we want to say we have a relationship and your 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 viewers can't see me doing the air quotes, but I'm saying, quote unquote, relationship. Air quote. Relationship. Yeah. Where is the relationship? Relationships right. are built on intimate time with one another, on getting to know somebody, on sharing your deepest, darkest secrets, on listening and listening to someone else. That's where that is. So really, you, Christianity thrives in your prayer closet. Even Jesus said, when you pray, not if you pray, when you pray, close your door and talk to your father in secret. That's intimacy. Right. right. 
you're intimate with somebody when you're alone with them. The the purpose of closing the door is shut off the outside world, shut yeah. off the distractions, turn your phone off, get away with God. We only do that with people we're intimate with. You know, my wife and I this weekend, we're going to Nashville. We're going to spend some quality time one on one together because we want to be intimate and we're investing in our relationship. That's what it means to have a relationship. So now that we understand what that word means, how is our relationship with God? And when we get that right, it bleeds into everything else, because the longer we're sitting in God's presence in silence, we will hear his voice clearer. We will hear his voice more often. We'll be so enamored in his love that nothing else will matter. I, I, I've done so much in my life and I will continue to do so much more. And I can confidently tell you now, I am the happiest in my life when I'm sitting on the floor of my bedroom in silence before God. My What my prayer time looks like is 90% sitting in silence. I will put on some soft instrumental worship music in the background and I just zone out. I say, God, I invite you and I talk to the Trinity one by one. Father, I invite you into this room. Jesus, I invite you into this room. Holy Spirit, I invite you to this room. I want to know you. I want to experience you. Please come and do whatever you want. Sometimes he doesn't show up. Sometimes I just feel his presence. Sometimes I'll hear his voice. Sometimes I'll get visions. God has given me prophetic dreams. I didn't earn any of that. All I've done is spend time with him. Amen. So that's that's literally, that's what the greatest commandment is, is being intimate with God. And from that, everything else stems. Because think about it, with ministry, when we go back to the impatience and wanting to street preach and talk to everybody we can about Jesus, what did Jesus do? He's our example. Jesus said, I only say what I hear the father saying, and I only do what I see the father doing. That's intimacy. So that means he and the father were super intimate to the point where he was just simply following directions. So that's the same thing for us. It's Ministry is not for us to duplicate what Jesus did and what the disciples did on our own terms, how we want to, how we see fit. No, it's sons and daughters who just fall madly in love with God, which can only be done through one-on-one -on -one quality time. And then we hear his voice so clearly, and then he'll tell us, hey, you, you like this time that we have together, all this love and intimacy we have? Awesome. I want this person to join in on that too. Go tell them about me. This person here, you're in a supermarket, and then the Holy Spirit will whisper to you, and then you go talk to somebody. But that's that's reactionary to our it's ministry is just an overflow of, of our overflow. prayer closet yeah absolutely so when we force the latter which is ministry without the former which is intimacy with god that's why and with all due respect i'm always careful how i talk about god's bride that's why the church isn't as powerful as she could be because we're well, trying to do what jesus did on our own strength oh and and i and i and i so i i 100 agree with you because when when I talked to my bride about intimacy, and it took a long time for me to use that word, especially when talking with fellow brothers, mm. right? That intimate relationship, God, intimacy. When I'm looking at my relationship with my wife, I look at the mirror and I look at three areas of intimacy. And so for me, that is that greatest commandment. So there's physical, relational and spiritual intimacy, right? So, so are those three areas, and that's why I believe, and 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 I think, I mean, you nailed it, right? It's got to come from that intimate relationship. But I think we've misused the word faith, and that's one of the biggest reasons why that this podcast is called "Embrace Your Faith." Faith is an action word, and faith requires training. It's not just something we, we do and magically comes upon us and we know how to handle right our, our flesh and we know how to handle these things. But it's also something that you don't automatically know how to become intimate with God. You, you don't understand that. There's a physical intimacy, right? Going out there and, and doing the, the go and, and be my, you know, and, and preach my word. That's a physical intimacy with God. But you're right. It doesn't come without the spiritual intimacy and it doesn't come without the intellectual or relational intimacy with God. And so I, I really believe that that that, you know, when we were talking before we started recording, it's so easy. And I don't want to say easy. I think there's a there's this it it's it's easy to trust that God will be there in the future. And it's easier, I think, to for me and I'm just going to speak for myself. When I look back in my past, 
it's very easy for me to see God's handiwork and to see where God was alive. The hardest place for me to see God and actually feel God is right here, right now in this moment. And prayer is such a huge part of that because you're right. That is your intimate connection with the Father right now. You don't need to wait till to be able to look back on it. You don't need to trust in it in the future. You have it right now. And, and that's why I think that, and, and that's why this podcast is called, they called Embrace Your Faith. Because one, I think faith is an action word. We need to be experiencing faith and doing faith and learning how to do faith. Because you just don't all of a sudden become a believer and, and all of a sudden you know how to do these things, right? And, and I think you're right as far as the church goes. We're not training these things. We're not teaching these things. There's no application. You know, when And I talked about this in the first podcast. When I became a police officer, I went through months and months and months and months of teaching. We are missing the boat with believers in the experiential teaching of faith and, and setting that environment. And I think my judgment is, again, I praise marked men and I praise Fight Club, but marked men sets that tone. They create that environment where you can have this incredible, intimate experience with God. And that changes the game. It changes the game. And so, um, yeah. I mean, yes, <laughs> emphatically, yes. Yeah, it comes down to our identities and what we identify with and even if we have admirable identities if it's not the identity god wants us to have then it's done in vain and that's that's even if we identify as a minister True. if we identify as a minister of the gospel and so many people are they're so proud to have pastor uh, attached to their name apostle so and so you know what i mean like their identity is in their ministry, and that's completely wrong. Right. Our identity is solely in Christ. If intimacy with God is not enough for you, you are doing the wrong thing, and your focus is on the wrong place. I don't, because I find my identity in Christ, because my greatest, my greatest experience is being alone with him, intimate, feeling his presence, hearing his voice, being changed by his presence. Um, I could care less about ministry. And that sounds weird. I'd be like, oh, what are you doing? You're a Christian. You have to be. I could care less because I'm identified by my relationship with God. That is my identity. I am a son of God. Now I can be a son of God who ministers. Sure. But my identity is a son of God. I'm not a minister. And the problem with that is when we get our identity with anything else other than just being a son or daughter of God, we can idolize that. And that comes before God, even if it looks like we're, quote unquote, doing things in the name of Jesus. Because, again, right. ministry is admirable. But like the Bible says over and over, God judges us on the condition of our hearts. So if our heart isn't God, I just want to love you and serve you. Then we're doing it for the wrong reasons. And that's when we end up doing ministry not in love do we do it out of duty and obligation because we're supposed to and then we have crappy attitudes while we do it or i guess i gotta go hit the streets right now and tell people about jesus like just just stop doing that and to be honest that mindset of my identity being in christ as a son of god has led to more ministry opportunities and this is why because god will open up doors because he knows that those things will not distract me from my alone time with mm. him. And that may be a big thing for your listeners to hear right now, too, that God may be holding back blessings and open doors because he knows that they will distract you. Mm. No matter how noble or admirable they may be, they may distract you and take time away from you and intimately being with your God. And that is priority number one, which is why it is the greatest commandment. And once you get that done, everything else falls into line. I compare it to like I lost a ton of weight and um, the number one thing, that, you know, 80 plus percent, you'll get different numbers from different people. But generally speaking, 80 plus percent of your weight loss is your diet, meaning that you can't out train a bad diet. So, so many people will focus on that 20%, 15, whatever that number is, and work their butts off and want to do all these things and this and that and see very minimal, if any, results. When if you 
put the priority first, you'll see crazy results and so much faster. So that's the same thing with, with when we're losing weight, put your diet first, you'll see the results because that's what's supposed to be first. When we put God first and we focus only on the greatest commandment, we start seeing everything else. Even the disciples, they didn't get launched into full ministry until when? After three years of being intimate alone with Jesus. With Jesus. Paul, Paul didn't step into his full ministry until after three years being alone with, with God in the Arabian desert. There's something about this three-year time frame. Even when God called Moses up to the mountain to give him the law, literally in the Bible, God is telling Moses, come up to the mountain and be there. Just be there. Be, be there with me. Did you know that Moses was on the mountain for 40 days? Are you telling me God couldn't have given him the, the commandments the first day? <laughs> what did he do those 40 days? He was intimate with God because yeah, that's what matters more than anything else. And Moses's intimacy with God gave us the Ten Commandments. Well, we don't create ministry, right? I think I think that's a common misconception. People want to go and do ministry. We don't create ministry. God ministry is an overflowing Correct. when, when God fills us up in those intimate times, we overflow and that creates ministry because what had to come upon the apostles before they went and did the Holy spirit. That's right. They had to be filled first. That's right. And, and I, and I think you're right. And, and I want to get, I think we're, you know, we're, Man, I could sit here and talk all day, and, and 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 I think you know you've definitely given me you know reason to to call you back up fairly soon and say I'd be let's, happy to be back let's for do sure. it again. Yeah, man. But but I think that's important. I think as as a new Christian, I know I wanted to just I want to go do right. I want to do because you know James calls us to be doers of the word, but we can't until. And, and that's why, you know, God does equip. He equips the called for sure. But there's, there's a point of, of that intimacy where the ministry is an overflowing of love. If I don't love God and it doesn't overflow, and, and that's why I believe, I, I don't think you should ever have to tell anyone you're a Christian. You should be known, Right by your fruit or by the way you carry yourself. I had a, I had a guy call me up and he goes, Hey Mike, I, I know that you're a, a believer of God and him and I had never talked about it. And it wasn't because of me. It wasn't because anything I did. I only think that it was Jesus coming through me, but, but I think that's the important part. And I think we, 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 we tend to miss that, that, that we get so excited about the doing and, and we, we are certainly our doers. We are co-creators. We are called to do. But don't miss the intimacy, the filling up, the overflowing of God's abundance. The the, the, the co-creator of Mark Men for Christ said it to me one time. He goes, Mike, the only way that I can continue to keep doing ministry is because God keeps filling me up and it's overflowing. And so... Amen, man. Yeah. That absolutely. That's I would, that intimacy. Um, yeah. So yeah. I would. I would add to that. So just, I would say that it's both. It's both our character and our words. Um, because to be very honest, there are a lot nicer people outside the church than inside the church. <laughs> it is what it is. It is what it well, is. So, yeah. so that's why I believe in the combination of the two for sure. The sure. words and letting people know um, clearly. It's again, it's not forcing it, but it's just making it known. Yeah, yeah I'm a Christian. Um, but then, of course, yeah, for sure, our character that should loves going to flow. Yeah. yeah. So, what I would add as well is the um, it's our focus. What is our focus on? If our focus is ministry, it's the wrong focus. Our focus should just be to love God, and that's it. If that's not enough, then we are off. And like so that. many, unfortunately, a lot of churches do preach ministry, serving, soup kitchens, food pantries, all these things. Again, admirable. But according to God's priority list, it's not number one. Number one is intimacy with him. That should be enough for you. You should be enough. You should be satisfied in just being a son or daughter of God. You mm. should be satisfied in your prayer closet. And if you go to God and spend intimate time so that you can minister, you are abusing God. You are going to God for what you can get out of him. And that is an abuse of your heavenly father. That's straight up. Yes. Straight up. That's if being alone with God isn't enough for you, then check your heart and ask God for 
forgiveness and grace to get to that point where he's enough for me and I don't need to do anything, which is so funny because when you're in that mindset, he'll end up providing opportunities for you to minister and to love people. But it's when you have the right, right heart and right mind before him. And, and, and you, you, yeah, first things first, right? We need to continue to put, keep first things first. Absolutely. And, and that, that you and I, I, I 100% agree that our ministry is created in those times through that overflowing of love and, and Christ in us. And so bang, you know, amen. But, <laughs> but let's talk quick. Cause um, I don't, you know, I, I, again, I could be here for two hours, but I don't think people sure. want to listen to us for two hours. <laughs> they certain, they could listen to you, man. You've definitely got a voice, <laughs> um, but probably not me, but let's talk real quick about what you're doing on therapy Thursdays on Instagram, what that's about. There's going to be a link. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to put up your Instagram, your Facebook, you know, I'm going to get the word out awesome. that way people can take part in this. Cause I think it's so important. So talk to me about therapy Thursday. Yeah, I'm really excited about that. Um, today's Monday, uh, therapy Thursdays launches this Thursday. So in three days, I'm super excited about it. So, um, therapy Thursdays will be a weekly show from seven to 8 PM central standard time on my Instagram account. And like you said, you'll put the link there. Um, but just for now, the username is at Mr. MR, Mr. Marcus Alexander. Um, but basically, it's an hour where we um, I will have licensed therapists on every single episode. And we're going to talk about therapy topics. We're going to talk about anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts, childhood traumas. Like we're going to we're going to dig deep into everything that's available. And um, my goal with this show is to one destigmatize therapy. Because um, some people can either have an ignorant view of it because they don't know what it is or a false view of it, especially because it, the media portrays a terrible view of therapy. Like so many times you see a therapist in a movie and it's taken as a joke. The therapist is not taking things seriously or all they do is sit there and say, OK, how does that make you feel? How does that make you feel? Therapy is so much more than that. So my goal is and you mentioned it before about bridging gaps. My goal is to bring the therapist to the general public for free and talk about these therapeutic topics and hopefully open people up to the world of therapy. Uh, the first half an hour of the show is going to be talking about that therapeutic topic for that episode. And then the last half an hour, which is this is why I'm doing it on Instagram Live, we're fielding questions live from the audience. So if people have questions that they want to ask the therapist, they can do so on Instagram Live. They can type their question in and then we can answer it to the best of our abilities and, you know, time permitting, of course. Uh, but yeah, every Thursday uh, we will have therapists on board. And um, I have, there's a link in my Instagram bio and the third option down says Therapy Thursdays. It's an online spreadsheet that shows every episode date, um, every topic, and then the contact information for every therapist that's going to be on there. So you'll have their name, phone number, email address, the name of their practice. If they do virtual sessions, how much do they charge? What uh, specialties they focus on? And if they accept insurance and which insurances they accept. So firstly, I want to help destigmatize therapy. And secondly, I want uh, my goal is for people to actually sign up with these therapists for formal therapy and actually attend therapy afterwards. So I'm really excited. That's the awesome. amount of therapists that have reached out to me and that have signed up is phenomenal. I'm booked for 24 weeks straight right now. Um, our latest sign up is for June of next year, 2023. So I'm like, I'm super pumped. I, I, I'm excited. This is something that excites me. And it's something that's needed both for the audience to get a taste of therapy and hopefully stir up a desire to seek out therapy on their own. It's also great for the therapist, too, because they get to uh, they bring awareness to their brand and hopefully they get to increase their clientele, too. So it's a win win for everybody. Awesome. And again, that is Therapy Thursdays, Instagram Live every Thursday from 7 to 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. Yes, sir. That's awesome, man. Well, it has been a pleasure. I appreciate your time. And I, I told you I was going to ask it, the thing I ask of every guest, because here at Embrace Your Faith Podcast, we're looking for application. Yeah, We want to take our faith and we want to make it real and we want training. We want to learn the applications of faith and how to apply them to our lives. And we want to increase our faith. We want to get that main thing. 
and that is intimacy with our Lord and Savior and God the Father. So what is one thing, I think I know what it is now, but, <laughs> <That> but, is. <laughs> but, but what is one thing that you would say, one applicable thing that someone could start doing or fold into their, their life right now today to help them increase their faith, i.e. increase that intimacy with God? Yeah, so that is my point is above all, it's intimacy with God. But the practical application of how to actually do that um, is getting alone. Um, Jesus described a prayer closet, and it doesn't have to be an actual closet. Uh, what what that describes is just an alone place where you can be alone with God. Jesus said to close the door, so that means get rid of distractions. So if you're constantly on your phone, put your phone away. Keep your phone outside of whatever room you decide to be in. Um, if you want some some uh, soft instrumental music playing in the background, that's what I do. If you want complete silence, that's perfectly fine, too. Um, but that's what it means to be a Christian and to be intimate with God is to be alone with him. Hmm. Church is awesome. It has its place. Bible studies, youth groups, they all have their place. But number one should be our one on one intimate alone time with God. So how you do that is find daily time to get alone with God. Um, it's definitely quality over quantity. You want to spend as much time as you can, but if you're able to focus devoted 10, 15 minutes to him, 10, 15 minutes of devotion is better than nothing, of course. Um, but God cares more about the quality than quantity. So sitting there, being honest with God, share your heart, share the good, the bad, the ugly, but absolutely at least half the time that you're in your prayer closet Stay sitting in silence. Mm. Listen and wait for God. Wait for his presence. Wait to hear his voice. It may be a loud thundering voice. It may be a still soft whisper. It may be a loud thought that's in your head, but you know it didn't come from you. God will show up in many ways, but you have to be ready to receive. And the best way to receive is to with a closed mouth and open ears. Mm. There it is. Praise there God. There it is. Boom. Man. <laughs> It, it's awesome. I appreciate you. God bless you and all that you're doing, man. I just, I will keep, um, your ministry in my prayers and, you, uh, just this continued walk and this continued faith in our Lord and savior, Jesus Christ. Yes, sir. Marcus Alexander. Thank you. Uh, God bless you. And I appreciate you. You too, brother. Um, Thanks for having thank me you so much. 